Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, honey, you know your dad's world-famous chili. Yeah, the one that takes 24 hours to make. So I was trying to help out and bring the pot to the table, but it was like super hot. And then I um dropped it. And now the floor looks all, you know, stained with chili. Look, the point is, you guys cool with pizza for dinner? <laughs> honey? Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Clover gives you the power to run a smarter, faster restaurant. See everything in real time with the kitchen display system. Streamline takeout and delivery with online ordering. With the right tech, quick service is getting even quicker. Clover, accept payments, run your business, and sell more. For a limited time only, visit Clover.com to get a $450 statement credit on qualified hardware purchases. That's www.clover.com. Making your cat happy is a number one priority. Priority number two is keeping a clean litter box. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter helps you do both. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter traps waste at the surface with less crumbles and absorbs more waste and odor compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Litter at a store near you today. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that would not be surprised at what can get accomplished in 13 seconds. It's time to do a little end-of-year stargazing. Mark, happy Christmas, happy holidays, pending happy new year. <laughs> it should be a happy new year. We got two games with Chicago coming up. I mean, it's got to be, right? You, you would have said the same thing about a game against St. Louis. Yeah, although you'd think they would have scheduled it at a, at a different weekend because there's nothing like that uh, That full complement of red in the sea of green so it's, it's kind of a christmasy thing not a new year's thing <laughs> uh the old chicago air quote home game so it'll be a first look at bedard so so agenda wise we'll we'll talk we've got again an interest a couple of games to talk about and then a and that in nashville and and st louis side then we've got the the back to backer against chicago we'll do some new year's resolutions mark i want to start off by saying that this is a team as you look at the standings today which today being the 28th of december is either in first place second place or third place in their division depending on how you choose to sort things and i feel like there is no better way to explain the dallas stars this season than a team that could be anywhere between first and third place well, and it's kind of weird because you can look at the other two teams that are in this uh, dogfight with them, and they all have different stories. Who would have thought that Winnipeg and, and Rick Bonus would have had the Jets up at the top of the division? I mean, this is a team that uh, that really got rid of a bunch of their high-end guys. And, and the ones they have with, left may not want to be there. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, have you been to Winnipeg in winter? Yeah, right. But all of a sudden, this is a team that's playing great. So, you know, kudos to them. And then you have Colorado, which, you know, in spite of everything, you you have people who think that Colorado should just run away with the division. You have uh, you have other people who look at Colorado and see that they're playing a bunch of old Dallas Stars down on their fourth line, and they aren't deep enough to go anywhere. But yeah, they're in the mix. 
And mix is a good word for it. Yeah, with Colorado, you can't really run away from somebody if you pull a hamstring every time you, you start taking steps. So it's yeah. um, but at, at the same time, right? Dallas is playing with their backup goaltender and well-discussed holes in, at various points in the roster. So nobody can nobody can really pull away. I think Colorado's 5-4-1 and one in their last 10. Uh, Winnipeg is 7-1-2. and two. Dallas is 6-3-1. and one. So it's it's not gonna get any clearer anytime soon. It doesn't seem like the the one the one thing I will say, and we've we've kind of parked on this before. It's a, it's it's a fake a fake tie in one sense because Colorado has played two more games than both Winnipeg and Dallas. So if if you're accounting for that, truly Winnipeg and Dallas are tied atop the division with 44 points from 33 games. Colorado is in second with 45 points, but they've played 35 games. So it's it's a technical tie, which is often the best kind of tie. But um, really, realistically, Dallas and Winnipeg have a little bit of an advantage when you look at how things shake out. Yeah, although don't don't look too close at who's in fourth and fifth and how close they are. So or, uh, or do there's nothing to be comfortable at. Uh, it's that's a really good segue because of course Arizona put a pretty phenomenal comeback on Colorado last night. But man, I, let's start with we've got we've got two games that have happened, Mark, since the last time we podcasted, and and I want to start with the Nashville game because it is. I mean, literally, we've never seen anything like the ending of that game before in the history of the NHL. <laughs> What? 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 Hold on. What? I thought we lost two one in both games. I <laughs> I turned it off with like twenty seconds left because just nothing was happening. <laughs> I right. Mean... So so how we were just losing two one on the road and nice try to come back, but uh, you know sometimes you got to take the L. Well, the the key mark is that your boy Yanni Hockenpah's heater continues unabated. Uh, undoubtedly, <laughs> this is this is. Probably the big story of the year right now is the heater that Hawk and Paw's been on since the start of December. It would be really interesting to do a breakdown of what happened on that play where Hawk and Paw scored the game winner, because it is who was it? I'm old, so my mind goes. But somebody <laughs> laid a big hit in the middle, and then kind of turned around to watch it right as Hawk and Paw was coming in to lean on one. Yeah, and, there was that. There and, and that the, may the, have been Steele who was out there after yes. scoring the. But it was and and you had traffic behind the net. Like you, there, at one point you had, I believe it was three predators and two stars between Hawk and Paw shooting and the goaltender. And, and then the seas parted. Yeah, it's, it's weird that you get it's 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 weird that you get a goal coming through that kind of traffic that doesn't hit anything, and it really just. Yeah, it, there was a, and it, it didn't even look like a hit. It was a, it was a collision. It was a kind of an inadvertent thing, and all of a sudden there's a star on the ground and and Predators players going crazy, and it just seemed very clear that Rene didn't see that puck until the very very last second, and and it had enough had enough heat on it to go off the pads and in versus somewhere safer from Nashville's yeah. perspective. Well, and and if you look at it really close, I think you can see a Predator kind of deciding not to get in front of a Hawk and Paw slapper. Which fair, I mean, fair point. Fair, yeah, and and so yeah, that's that. It opened up because some somebody somewhere decided not to take the damage, <laughs> and so the the damage ended up in the net. Yeah, and let's let's even go back because because even the the play before that was. I thought pretty chaotic. Both both of those goals were pretty chaotic, and you know it it really felt like one of those games. Like sometimes Rene just gets you. Right. And it really had the vibe of one of those games where they were going to, you know, kind of bang on the door for a while. You know, Dadnov got it close, but it kind of had that feeling. Well, this is, 
it's just going to be one of those nights they're getting goalied. Um, good luck in St. Louis, but just a couple moments of just pure chaos. And and I think this this the through line for me, and you brought this up on our last podcast, we were talking about kind of the evolution of the bottom six and, and you know, Sam Steele and, and Craig Smith were that that entire fourth line felt like a, it was having a pretty significant impact throughout the game against Nashville. You know, it, it's amazing that that line has, as the seasons progressed, gotten to the point where they will come out usually in the second period and have at least one shift where they just tilt the ice and they don't really threaten to score all that much, but they bring some energy and they bring, bring some puck possession and it kind of fires up the rest of the team. Yeah. And, you know, here here Smith got rewarded for for, you know, being in the right area at the right time. But kind of moving on to St. Louis, didn't you have the same feeling coming down the stretch? Yeah, as well. You did. And and it's sort of the same. I think it's the the this particular team. Right. I, I think you could say you both had. At the same time, it's it's sort of like Schrodinger's hockey team. I, I simultaneously, I mean, they got 40 shots for Pete's sake. So you always feel like they're in it, but you also always feel like they could screw it up? Question mark. Yeah, well, but I, I literally thought Jamie Ben scored right, right, right there, right there oh, with yeah. six on five, and it's like this is just what happens. St. Louis turtled a little bit. It's kind of nice to see the turtle on the other team. And Ben just put it in, and it turns out Hofer had a had just a fabulous game. Yeah, and that's yeah. I guess the the reward of the turtle, right, is if you get one of those, if you get a performance of that caliber from your goaltender, if he can make forty saves, it's a pretty effective strategy if you can get forty saves out of your out of your tendy. <laughs> you know, if you if you win, it's a great strategy. Is kind of what it comes down to, right? Yeah, yeah. Except except for those of us with weak hearts and uh, in in. Then it, then it turns into just major. Stuff. You know, the positive is it wasn't Bennington. That's that's really the only benefit. The only the only upside well, of losing to St. Louis is that it wasn't it wasn't Bennington. You know, it's kind of sad that it wasn't Bennington because I don't think Bennington stands on his head. Yeah, I mean they would have. Yeah, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have lost. But that that's a very good point. It's it's interesting to me though. This is I think a really good example. It's it's sort of a good example of how. There is so little difference in today's NHL in a win and a loss, right? Like you get, you could, we could very easily be sitting here talking about two straight losses. We could very easily be sitting here talking about two straight wins. And the difference is, you know, Hofer making a tremendous save to deny Jamie Ben. And the difference is a, you know, Nashville Predator defender deciding to, and, and even, you know, it may not even been, you know, I don't want to get hit with this. It may have just been, I want to make sure my, my, all-star elite all-world goalie has a clear look at a fairly you know it's it's not like Hockenpah was shooting from a particularly threatening area of the ice right so it could have been as simple as that's eh, a long distance shot with the end of the game I'm going to make sure my guy has a good look he doesn't really need to worry about the rebound so I'm going to try and get out of the way right so yeah but it's, it's just interesting that like two split second plays um you know going back even further right setting up the game tying goal against Nashville um Jason Robertson it's just like I mean, he's so young, but it's such a veteran. Like gets away with not a not a capital H hook, but one of those lower H hooks that. And well, I'm, it's I'm one of those last two minute hooks that you just get away with it with it because the officials aren't going to call it exactly. And and having the presence of mind 
to know that in a jump, and it may have been an accident. So I'm just I'm just going to assume that he did something awesome because he's awesome. But one of the, it, you're exactly correct, right? There's a, a big schmoz behind the net, loose puck, lots of bodies, guys going back and forth. You know, final minute of a one goal game, refs aren't going to call anything. To, you kind of have to, you know, shove your stick down somebody's throat, right? It's got to be got to be really clear. So you're going to get away with a little bit. And yeah, he he got a little tug. On, on, I believe, uh, I forget which one of the defenders it was, but on one of Nashville's defenders, which is is sort of how that puck popped free and turned into the scoring chance for Smith. So, yeah, a little, little play there. Then you have uh, a shot block that doesn't quite happen. And then you have a goalie that that makes a chest-on-the-ice phenomenal save. I, I think your, your perspective here is perfect. The difference between those being two one losses and, and and then it being a one one, uh, Dallas getting the full two out of Nashville, it, it's such a fine line. It's Forsberg hitting I, the post. Yeah, well, or or Hints hitting the post in the in at the beginning of the third against St. Louis. Yeah, I look at this and say, what more good can we say about Scott Wedgwood? Because this is a guy who has stepped in and given the Stars a chance to win. He He's truly a number two, if you look at the way the NHL set up. And he's come in and been phenomenal. You know, there was that sequence in the in the five-on-three where, where it, it was just chaos all over the place. And he made some intentional saves in that setup that defy belief. One one where Lindell is, is almost has his knee on his back. Lindell makes the save. Wedgwood has just barely gotten his stick back, but then he actually gets up to his feet and makes the save with his glove, you know, from from three four feet away. Yeah, and I think Razor said it on the broadcast. He's a battler, you know. Oh, yeah. He's a guy, and I think I think that's important when you're talking about a backup goalkeeper because this is a team that you know, in a perfect world, I think you get sort of that sort of the Ottinger effect, right? That that calm certainty in the right spot, makes the right save, you know, kind of very, very workmanlike, just not workmanlike in the sense of not being difficult, workmanlike in the sense of not a lot of scramble. But then I think you go to the other side of the spectrum, and, and if you have a, a player that's perhaps not at that same, you know, level of technical talent or technical ability, like you just, you want to see the guy fighting. Right. And and with Wedgwood, you really get the sense that he's trying to get to every puck. He's trying to make every save. There's no like there's no mental slippage, anything like that. And it just you have to imagine playing in front of a guy like that. You you kind of feel to your point, right? In that, in that particular sequence, it was Lindell. I think Hockenpah was also, you know, there were two players behind the goalie playing goalie. And there's there's sort of you have to think he encourages that kind of commitment because, you know, you don't want to be the one that looks like he's, you know, dragging ass while your goaltender is is doing everything he possibly can, throwing everything he's got to try and stop the pot. Yeah, and I, I think the number that they were flashing was that the Stars have played six minutes of five on three, given up zero goals. And Hockenpah and Lindell have been on the ice for well over five and a half minutes each of those six minutes. It's just it's just insane. Yeah, and and you know as as much as you say bad about Hockenpah and Lindell, uh, I think you have to respect that there are certain things that they excel at. And, yeah. And working in a situation where it's just you know bar the doors and and hold on, these guys are pretty successful at it. 
I mean, being able to just clear the puck, right? When you when you yeah. don't have to worry about triggering your trans. I, th- I think you're right, and and it's it's the challenge with them. It's and I would honestly say that it's the same challenge as much as as much as we rain, you know, brimstone down on the guy. It's the same challenge of Ryan Suter. It's it's not that they are not contributors. It's that they are sometimes asked to do things that they cannot, or yeah. you know, it's it's that they're sometimes put in situations that don't suit their skill set. And the results suffer as, you know, as an, as an expense of that. Yeah. And I mean, I think Suter gets a bit of a bad rap just because of the way that he plays. He tends to look nonchalant and, and I'm pretty sure that's not true, but uh, you know, when, when it looks like you're, you're, you're easing into plays, it's pretty easy to criticize regardless of the results because the eye test just just forces the brain to think that that this guy's not given his all there's that and then i also I, I do think as well he's had some high profile like the you know the the playoff series against um you know vegas last year right i think it's it's that it's partially what you're talking about it's partially that he is sort of getting a contact blame for the fact that Miro doesn't have an ideal partner and is playing on his offside. So Suter is kind of the whipping boy for, well, if it wasn't for him, Miro would be on his, on his correct side. And, you know, he, so he gets a little bit of shade for that. And then you also factor in like, put it, put it right out there, right? He, he has made a couple of like really high profile errors in recent seasons. And, and, you know, you could say the same thing about Jamie Ben, but at least when Jamie Ben was going insane and costing his team a playoff series, he also had a you know rebound offensive season, right? So there's some there's some give and take there that doesn't necessarily exist with Suter's game, right? When he does when when Suter does something well, you don't notice him. When Suter makes a mistake, you're picking the puck out of your net, and that that flavors how you view the guy. You just can't it cha- it just changes the way you look at him. Yeah, and I mean the same is probably true with Hawk and Paw as well. Hawk and Paw. Couldn't handle couldn't handle some pressure behind the net against St. Louis, and ends up coughing up the puck, and then uh, and then in essence getting back into the play, he screens off Wedgwood, and and neighbors puts one right in a in a tough spot. So yeah, Hawk and Pog gets that. I, I don't know that there's an ideal player out there. So no. you know, with Hawk and Pog, you can you take know. a look. At, he, he's a third he's a third pair guy, so you got to cut him a little more slack for for what he contributes and. Suter, on the other hand, is playing with Miro. He's a step up above Roman Polak doing the same thing, right? Yeah. Well, and it comes with the, as well, like a lot of the opinion for Suter solidified prior to Thomas Harley's emergence. And so when we were, when we were as a kind of media discourse, right, when we were settling into how we think Suter plays, he was still the quarterback of the second power play unit, right? He was still you know, playing 20 minutes. He was very, he was, he was overexposed. Right. And, and, and that doesn't make, that doesn't make the opinion wrong, by the way, I, I, those, those were things that shouldn't have been happening and he would be better served with less of a burden in the lineup and, and a lot of the stuff, but you know, it's, it's, those, those are factors into how, how the team plays him factors into how we view his play in a way that isn't always fair. And to tell you the truth, you know, as I, I, I write a bunch of previews, so I'm looking at other teams. And if, if I'm being honest about it, if I take a look at the third pair on any on any team that we're playing, it, it's pretty much something that's been, you know, pieced together. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's remnants. And the Stars third pair 
frequently stacks up pretty good against uh, whoever they're playing's third pair. So, uh, again, this is kind of modern hockey and how teams have to be constructed uh, to, to fall within the right price strikes range yeah. for, for what you can do on defense. I mean, we, we just finished talking about the impact and I, and I'm even eating a little bit of, of crow indirectly, right? We talked last podcast about a world in which instead of, you know, one of the depth forwards, they pick up a defenseman and, and, you know, it might've, it might've worked out with a more balanced roster, but at the same time, they certainly needed Craig Smith and Sam Steele last night, you know, the last couple of games, right? Those, they have had a, a positive effect on that lower six unit. So, you know, who's to say who's to say what the good decisions are? Yeah. And, and to tell you the truth, I think Steele has the ability to play up the lineup. He's he's yeah. kind of taken that role away from Delandria, which has yeah. left Delandria without a home. Yeah. I mean, he played top line in Minnesota last year. And so we saw that in Nashville. The, you know, yeah. the, the the game on the line, we've got, you know, both both Smith and Steele were on the ice with Robertson at one point while that game was being decided. So and what what are your thoughts here? How do you like the forward lines at this point? Are, are you happy with the uh, with the status quo? I'm happy, but I would be tinkering. Um, I I certainly think you you are, and, and we I I had the same argument last time. So I am always a fan of using the regular season to make adjustments and to test adjustments, especially considering. Dallas is comfortably in the playoffs, right? They're they're comfortably in the mix for the top spot. I think we've seen a little bit of slippage with, and it's it's we're talking about, you know, of, of course, talking about the fairness of expectations, right? Where we've seen a little bit of slippage from the top line, despite the fact that they're one, two, three in team scoring and all more or less on a point of game pace. But uh, it's it's funny that they've put themselves in a a you know tier where Jason Robertson being only on a point of game play, pace is a problem. And then we've seen, you know, it does look like Wyatt Johnston has hit a little bit of a sophomore slump. Some of that's luck based. He hit a post the past couple games as well. Jamie Ben is is going through one of his kind of famous, even at his height, he always had those fallow periods that were, you know, followed by, you know, by feast. So I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, maybe you leave the Duchesne group alone for a little bit because you you need somebody carrying the offense. But I, I do think that it's time to start mixing and matching pieces. You can't make quite the same case for the Ben and the Hints units that it's it's no longer an insane thing to suggest that maybe we should be looking at different line combinations with those six players to see if they could eke out a little bit more. I'm disinclined to, yes, I think Steele can play up the lineup. He's shown a little bit of, of that flash. I'm disinclined to say that he should on a full-time basis. I think it's more of a spot start thing. I like the way the bottom, you know, that that fourth line is going, and and I like the the type of game they play. Steele in particular, Steele seems to, you know, we talked about how, you know, Radic Fox and, and Castillo's insane take that he should be a, a defenseman. But um, we, we've talked a little bit about how Foxa has become even more limited offensively while still retaining his defensive value. So to me, having a player like Steele that can play alongside him maybe mitigates that a little bit, right? You 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 still have a little bit of of skill with a guy that's going to lock things down and, and makes that unit more functional. So I think for me, I'm I'm largely satisfied. But I would I would maybe be looking at looking at the Ben unit and the Hint unit and seeing are there any pieces to mix and match? Are there any things to do? Maybe giving. Maybe giving, you know, Marchment the occasional double shift or Sagan or, or, you know, we've seen some success with Sagan before or even Duchesne, right? Not breaking up that second unit, but but getting some different looks. 
either to so, get so let's some, let's yeah, drill sorry. down on that who who do you, who do you change i mean who do I you change the, and and maybe more importantly why yeah the the why i think is the most important the the why you make a change is because at some point you might need to, right? At some point, either the Duchesne line's going to go cold. At some point, somebody gets hurt. We saw it in the playoffs last year, right? Pavelski goes down. You need to know what you can do. And I think that you have the advantage as the stars right now. You are you are not fighting for your playoff life, so you can afford to make a couple of mistakes. So as far as the why is concerned, I think that you could get more out of the top line. I think that you have slumping players on the third line. And I think that you have a long-term need to see what kind of options and variety you can introduce into your scoring lines. So I right. think why you'd make the change, that's what I'd say. Well, I, I, I was actually saying why. It's like, tell me your change and then why that's the change. Oh, well, so I think one thing I would try in, in limited bits is we saw last year that Tyler Sagan had success stepping into Joe Pavelski's spot with, with Hintz and with Robertson. And so I think that you try that because that's a familiar combination that has produced in the past. Sagan is is having a good season, right? He's he's at 23 points, 33 games, right? He's he is profiling right now like a guy who could skate with Robertson and Hintz and produce. And by doing that, I think you free up Duchesne, who is a little bit more dynamic. And maybe that is something, maybe Duchesne could help with Johnston and Ben. And give them an interesting look, right? And you could you could you could find a way to leverage. You know, you could basically you would you would increase or maintain the production of Hintz's line by sliding Sagan onto it, while simultaneously increasing the you know fixing some of what we're seeing with the you know the Ben Johnston pairing, and then with Pavelski. Kind of with what's left, like you know, Pavelski, um, Pavelski, Marchment, um, you know, Dadnoff, right? That group, Sam Steele, potentially playing up the lineup. You could probably there is a chance that you would gain more by sort of resuscitating Ben and Johnston than you would lose by going away from that that you know second pair, second unit that we've seen. Yeah, and, and again, not and I, I think I think your idea this wouldn't be a full time thing. Right, you'd still go back to the Duchesne Sagan Marchment group for the most part. This is more about, you know, giving somebody a jolt, and again about knowing that if something, you know, if something bad happens, all of a sudden it's not an oh no, what do we do moment. It's an okay, well, Plan B. You go here, you do this. Right. It it lets you, it gives you a better sense of how you can distribute your your players. Yeah, and, and I think you, using Sagan as as a guy who has a home on a line but can can do shifts with other players i think is pretty good right now i think sagan is is a pretty high end with army knife at this point of his career and yeah, he I, meshes I agree. well I with think other guys that's a guys. great way to describe him sagan he is no longer a player that can carry his own line in my opinion but if you put him with two skilled forwards he can make that line much better like he's yep. he's that he's like a he's like a mod he's like an a modifier or he's he's an amplifier right he's not going to he he's going to make every line he's on better 
but better is dependent on how good the players he's playing with. So I have no doubt that if you put him between, you know, if you put him with Foxa and with Delandria, Foxa and Delandria are going to get higher quality looks by virtue of playing with Tyler Sagan. They just may not be able to do anything about it. But if yeah. you put Sagan on a line with players that that can think at a high level, finish at a high level, play offense at a high level, then he will be able to facilitate. I'll, I'll throw mine out there. I would I would start by swapping Dodonov and Pavelski, mm. and and I'll tell you why. First, first off, I I think the thing that's missing on that top line, is, I think I think Pavelski's actually lost a step, and one of the things that kills that line is that they don't have anybody who can effectively you know, get on the forecheck early. If if they can get a bobble or something like that, you see the return of of this game where they can get on a cycle and they're all really good at getting the puck off the board. And and so they can be effective, but they don't get there nearly as much this year as they did last year. And I think it's because they're they're quite a bit slower. I would move Dodonov up in that role because he is probably the most effective F1 that we have on this team. And he also has the creativity and the scoring ability to hang with those guys. I think it unlocks Robertson. I think it unlocks Hintz, especially. Hintz, I think, is just law. His his speed is is not used because of the lack of speed from the rest of the guys on the unit. My, and then alternatively, I'd say I'd say Pavelski with with Wyatt Johnson. I, I mean, how can you not want to want to have the household? together right. i mean they're roommates and, right they yeah know. They, exactly and, and you throw in ben who can be effective with both of them i think i think that works and then you kind of double shift sagan periodically to take some of the some didonov minutes away are you concerned about foot speed when all of a sudden you've got jamie ben and joe pavelski on the same line well i, I mean i'm concerned about foot speed the same way with uh with hints so yeah yeah yeah, I'm a, I'm a little more concerned, but on, on the other that hand, just, I, to me the risk is, and I don't disagree with your your thinking. By the way, this is just me being a spoil sport, but to me the risk is that is all asking an awful lot of Wyatt Johnston. I think Johnston, the more responsibility you give him, the better he's going to be. Yeah, I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Um, you know, yeah, I think that's I mean, that's it. I mean so alter- goes, alternatively, you can yeah. if Sagan moves up, then who goes down with um with Mason and and Deshane? I, I think you just double shift Sagan periodically and maybe Duchesne. You you can roll them in so that, you know, Dodonov, you probably want to keep it 13, 14 minutes a game. Yeah. And, and so if you double shift uh, either either Duchesne or Sagan up into that top line, I think you can adjust the minutes so that it works. I tell you, the one that I'm curious about is, and you'd, you'd have to have the right finisher, and it might be Pavelski, it might be Robertson. I'm I'm interested in in what you might be able to accomplish with Henson Duchesne. <laughs> I just it feels to me that feels like one of those things where they either complement each other and are able to play at a speed that that just most you know put them with a finisher and and they can move the puck and the play at a pace that a lot of teams can't keep up with or I could see it being a car crash disaster because they're both moving so fast that nobody really has a chance to settle and react to anything. Yeah, but put put it put uh Jason Robertson out there at the same he his his brain slows the game down. So I mean that's uh, that's kind of my thinking, yeah. right? Is you have you have Hence and Deshane capable of progressing the puck. And then, you know, Robertson is a, a we we talked about the goal against Nashville. He's he's a big strong boy. 
and he knows yeah. where he knows the spots. He knows how to shoot, and he's a, 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 a an effective passer as well. I mean, he leads the team in assists. So I think that Robertson could be a fantastic facilitator between those two. I'm a little bit more concerned with the rest of the lineup if you put kind of the two the two speed guys together. But I I would be I'm very interested in that trio in a vacuum. Yeah, and, and of course uh, anybody who who follows uh, other unnamed uh, Dallas Stars writers would uh, would argue, hmm, what about Bork and Stankoven, right? I mean, they exist. They, they are exist, and, and, and so this is something that uh, at some point will bear fruit. And so at that point, some of this, we're moving deck, uh, deck chairs around the, the, on the Titanic, and uh, whew, there, there's a rescue on the horizon, and they're tearing up the AHL right now. Yeah, the, just, so it, the challenge there is the same as last week, and then we'll we'll take a, a brief break before resolutions. I think that's a good segue. The unfortunate thing is everybody is playing well in the forward core right now, so it's really it it remains difficult to see who you'd pull, and you know the same. You know, it remains difficult to see who you'd pull, who gets the hook to get Bork into the lineup. Because for a while it would have been Dadenoff, but hey, guess what? All of a sudden he's you know scoring for fun. And it's it still may be. I mean, that's the that's the great thing about DeBoer's system and rolling all four lines. And, and to tell you the truth, there's a there's a lot of talk about uh, you know at least in the past there's been talk you don't want to bring your high end uh, high end prospect talent up and then bury them on the third line or the fourth line. And I'm looking at this. I think Stankoven and Bork would be awesome on the fourth line yeah i mean well and you don't the reason you say that is you don't want to put them with players that can't play right you can't put you don't want to put them with players that don't have skill and right now with the stars the you can't they all play, have skill yeah that's what yeah right now the risk of calling up a guy and playing him on the third line is mitigated by the fact that oh no we're gonna play him with jamie ben and wyatt johnston how how will he ever acclimate to the <laughs> nhl <laughs> Or or even Sam Steele or, yeah. or, or Craig Smith. Yeah, that's not going to work, is it? It's it's different when it's, yeah, welcome to the NHL. Here are your line mates, you know, Roddick Foxa and whoever else, right? Go go score some goals for us, please. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, they're playing with Curtis McKenzie down in Cedar Park, and McKenzie is, you know, the, the assist numbers for McKenzie are going to be out of this world for this, for this season because he's playing with those two guys. We're going to take a, a quick break on that note, then we're going to come back with some some concluding thoughts and, and some seasonal-appropriate fun. So we'll, we'll, we'll be back in just one second. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing. Complemented by an interior built with integrity, the Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. 
Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Making your cat happy is a number one priority. Priority number two is keeping a clean litter box. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter helps you do both. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter traps waste at the surface with less crumbles and absorbs more waste and odor compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Litter at a store near you today. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. All right, so we've, we've spoken, Mark, specifically about, um, you know, the last couple games, next couple games, some, some of what's going on. Let's let's get a little bit general, and in honor of the, the approaching holiday, let's let's do a couple of resolutions, right? So, so you know, you can be a, one of the players, you can be manager, who, whoever, whatever angle you want to take here. But what is what is something that you are are kind of what's a what's a declaration, a resolution you're going to make for the coming year? My resolution is easy. It's one I've been pushing for a while here. My resolution as Jim Nill is to bring in a talented defender to play with Miro Haskinen at the trade trade deadline. And that's the guy who we're going to roll through with and get the Stanley Cup with. I love it. Easy. I think mine, and I I co-sign yours, um, had you not said it, I would have. I think mine is, and this is weird because I've been preaching patience uh, for the last, you know, last couple months on this podcast. But my my resolution would be finding a hole in the lineup for either Stankoven or Bork. And at this point, you know, both would be ideal, sure. But as far as like a must-do resolution, I think that down the stretch, one of those guys at least needs to be a full-time Dallas star because I think that that that's going to unlock a layer of potential on this offense that just is, is we, we think that they're good now, right? Wait, wait and see. I like it. Now I have, before, before we get too far here, I have some questions for you. I'm going to test your, uh, your current hockey knowledge. Oh no. Let's do it. Patrick Kane. Oh, Patrick Kane. How many many goals does he have? I know that it's at least two. Because he got some some a, a tire and an OT. I'm gonna say he's got four goals. Six. Ah, uh, point, point a game guy. Eleven games, six goals, five assists. Only a minus two. Only. Is this somebody Dallas could have used? No, because <laughs> just it, it his his and honestly, like his performance is irrelevant to my no, because. There are players that are giving you what he's giving Detroit right now already on the stars or in the stars organization is one. Oh, and so, then so two, here, here's my follow on question before you get to number two. How many point per game guys do the Dallas stars have right now? Oh, gosh, it's at least three, if not four. I, I know that Robertson, Pavelski and Hintz are all within a point of it. I want to say I uh, Sagan is is at twenty three, so he's a bit under. Duchesne is close. Um, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with five. I'll go with zero. Well, I mean, thirty two <laughs> po- thirty two points in thirty three games is is that's that you're sounds, basically that sounds there. 
Okay, rounding eight. If we're going rounding, then we'll say one. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, but that's fair. You're right. But if, if you think an 11 game sample size from Detroit is representative, um, I, I just, the way that I look at it is Dallas doesn't need. Um, also, Patrick Camp got a stats on his shooting percentage is 26%. <laughs> you don't like <laughs> that? That's not sustainable. <laughs> check, yeah, check back with me in a month. Um, uh, but even even if even if we look at, you know, eight points in five games and say, you know what, that's just who Kane's going to be down the stretch. I would still contend that let's let's even look him up on cap frame. Let's see how much he's he's paying. Dallas needs the money elsewhere and they don't need the offense is basically how that boils <laughs> so, down. So, his so cap hit is. His cap hit is $2.75 million. So when Dallas couldn't afford him, who do you take off the roster to accommodate 35-year-old Patrick Kane? And Good why nobody. wouldn't you make that same deal to get a defender that could help you? I guess is my ultimate you know, no on Kane argument. Well, if you score enough goals, you don't need to defend, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a fair point. That's kind of nope. that's kind of how Dallas has gotten to where they are. <laughs> Anyway, I I just throw that out there because it's uh you know for for all the naysayers out there, Patrick Kane probably deserves a little bit of a shout out there for uh, you know coming into a Detroit team and putting up a bunch of points and then putting them on a losing streak at the same time. Yeah, I mean that's that's really the ideal, right? That's yep. Detroit could not have drawn it up more perfectly. Drive your own trade value up, drive our draft position, you know, drive our draft position up, and uh, we'll all be happy. Yep, love it. Ready for Any- one more trivia? Yeah, we got one. We got time for one. Well, more. we yeah, we, Chicago is coming into town, so we we kind of know that we're going to see a bunch of Connor Bedard and and Bedard and Haskin in on, on the ice at the same time. It's probably going to be really fun to watch. But this is more of a nuts and bolts question. Who's number two in goals on the Chicago Blackhawks? Ooh, is it um, is it Debrinket? Oh, Debrinket's not even with Chicago anymore. <laughs> I thought there was another one that came back. <laughs> it's Chicago. Aren't there multiple? There are there are multiple Debrinkets, right? No, no, he's he's tiny. There's like three quarters of a Debrinket. <laughs> I strongly disagree. There's got to be a Debrinket on that team. I'm, I'm, I just well, he's well, in there, witness protection. No, the answer there, there is, is a Debrinket. There is a Debrinket, and he's our favorite. Take it to the face. Jason oh, Dickinson. is it Jason Dickinson? Yes, eleven goals. Jason Dickinson has eleven goals. Yep. Wow. What, what, what is that? That would be uh, second on the stars in scoring. Yeah, goals. Twenty-seven nope. penalty minutes, sixteen points. What's his shooting percentage? I'm sure it's great. <laughs> I don't know, and all I can say Let's is see. this he's is this shooting, is he's shooting twenty-two percent. That's just, again sustainable. No, no, it's totally fine, especially this, when you're he's doubling his career average. So he's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> it is totally normal for you know what is it, twenty eight year old depth forwards to double their shooting percentage, just keep that up for the rest of their career. Well, my I, I guess my point being is that uh, you know years and years ago, Jason Dickinson was told that he was never going to be an NHL player, and I guess he's proved him wrong. He did, and I have a, a fond affection for Jason Dickinson. Yeah, whose whose face is going to take that much abuse and still come out smiling? In in the the words of of our dear leader, he has a face. <laughs> it must be hit by all sorts of objects. He's got a face. Yep, and he has eleven goals. So uh, good for him. Yep. 
So well, what do you think about Chicago? Get more the next couple games and then goes right back to scoring a ton after that. Yep. Yep. Okay. Anything else? Connor That's all Bedard, Miro Hastinen. Yo, Miro. All right. So again, thank you, KT, for doing all the hard work, Mark, for your insights. Please remember, listen, download, like, do all of the things. And um, by the next time we talk, it'll be the new year. And we'll have hopefully some good news to share about the stars ascent to the standings. We'll try and get an update on Jake Ottinger's status and um, just react to whatever the heck the crew is doing on the ice ahead of us. Sometimes your cat can be a mystery, like when they get so attached to certain cardboard boxes. <laughs> but when you use Fresh Step Cat Litter, there's no question that you're making your cat happy. Thanks to amazing odor control, Fresh Step clumping cat litters prevent stinky crumbles and make scooping easy by locking in liquid and odor immediately. That means you can keep your house clean and your bond strong. There's no mystery here. Find Fresh Step Cat Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.